Welcome to another episode of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. The reason why you haven't heard the intro music yet is that we finally have a sponsor. It's Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Get 0% financing on all new Cadillac ATS, ATS Coupe, CTS, SRX, XTS, and Escalade models through August 31st. Cadillac is a luxury car, and Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey is a luxury car experience. Call 866-865-6973 or go to holmancadillac.com. Now, here's the show. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world? Mike Sielski's back. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Murph, good to see you. You know him as Inquirer columnist. Mike Sielski. When did you decide to go with Mike Sielski instead of Michael Sielski? I don't know. When I was 15. <laughs> because, uh, you know, Michael sounds pretentious. Does David sound pretentious? No. But I just... Oh, you looked away. You looked away bit, when you said like, that. Uh, no, not at all. Not pretentious at all, David. Murphy, Daily News <laughs> columnist. See see how yeah. we work together? That's synergy. That's right. Uh, what I didn't want to do was to do what some former sports writers uh, for the Inquirer have done in the past which was, like, go with your initials. Yeah. Like, M.C. Sielski mm. or something like that. That That's pretentious. That's well, it's like the first level of pretension is, is just the middle initial. Yes. And then the second level of pretension is just drop the first, like, D.A. Lawrence or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. he was a psychologist. Um, and then the most pretentious is when you replace your middle initial with a number. <laughs> like Jennifer 8 Lee yes. at the New York Times? Yes. Um, <laughs> unless, unless it's for the purpose of creating a neat sounding name like i ate a pie or something like I'm that. i'm just gonna go with a symbol like prince did for right. a while there you know i was actually thinking about you this weekend oh uh, by the way we might as well set up today's show because we're gonna have bob brook over on to talk about uh sam bradford carson wentz as, as i'm sure some of you know sam bradford was traded to the minnesota <laughs> vikings for a first round pick and a fourth round pick conditional fourth round pick thus sealing prompting beginning. beckoning beginning the inevitable that all of us seem to uh, Doug Peterson couldn't even disguise his, 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 uh, <laughs> could not even disguise his want for Carson Wentz under center throughout most, most of training camp. They didn't even attempt to. No, I mean, it's funny. I was going back and look, cause usually when, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but when a big news story like this happens where y you've been kind of wondering if it's going to happen or what should, you know, and our job is to write and say what we think should happen. I go back and look at all the things I've written about it to make sure that my opinions have been genu generally and genuinely consistent. Right. And one headline... Which not all sports writers do, you may right, notice. Right, exactly. And uh, the one headline of a column that stood out to me was, Eagles' entire quarterback plan is phony. And <laughs> it was a reference to the idea, of course, that Bradford was going to start the whole By year. Holden Q. Caulfield. Right, Yeah. And uh, so I was particularly proud of that one headline because it did kind of capture the spirit of the whole Good. thing. Maybe so. your mommy can put it in her scrapbook. Maybe. Maybe um, mommy and daddy will pat me on my head and say that they love me. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Carson Wentz, who I've been pretty steadfast in my belief in, in the ability of his tools, but I'm still fascinated to see whether he can actually put it all together at NFL speed. Doug Peterson does not seem to have any doubt about that. Which just, and again, I know what else is the guy going to say, but they, they've certainly turned the page rather emphatically. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sam, we loved you. Don't hit, let right. the door hit your rear end on the way right. out. Yeah. For, for a team, for a, for a uh, ownership structure that was adamant that Howie Roseman was not the general manager and was adamant that Sam Bradford was the quarterback, it's, it's been an awfully remarkable couple of weeks because just today and and i say this as we record on wednesday the eagles finished a trade with the patriots shipping out second round pick eric Rowe of last year uh in exchange for a fourth round pick which frankly surprises me that they got a fourth round pick for the guy yeah but i mean which is so it's like I, they, they but he was a second round pick so they didn't get value no but Failed second round picks generally don't get fourth round picks yeah. exchanged for them unless it, unless a team does not know what it's looking at, which 
to me is like the interesting thing moving forward now because this is how he's this is howie roseman's team this is doug peterson's team now and as much as their future hinges on you know like i feel like i have to put an asterisk in everything i write which is like at the bottom the footnote says unless carson wentz turns into aaron Rodgers, then none of this matters exactly if that does not happen, like this is all this is all on Howie and Doug. Like, can Doug coach, and, and does Howie know what he's looking at personnel wise? Because he's he's completely put his stand. I counted it up the other day. I think tw- I counted twenty three. I think players on this roster were not did not play under Chip Kelly. Yeah, and it's and it's not as if they had. And I think that was including Carrick Gross. So it might be twenty four now. Right, and it's not as if they had a surplus of great players who they could just afford to deal a guy like. There's not this conga line of cornerbacks waiting to just step into the breach here. I mean, Ron Brooks is going to be their slot guy, it looks like. And they went out and, and acquired Leotis McKellen. Maybe they can win the 1980 hockey championship. Yeah, maybe it was Herb Brooks. Oh. Um, you know, but, uh, but Ron Brooks was the, court, was the uh, coach at Oregon, I believe. Yeah, I think, he, I think you're right. Um, but anyway. Neither one was this, this Ron Brooks. Yeah, this Ron I mean, Brooks is the nickel cornerback for the they've, uh, they've gone like quasi sixers here in terms of like breaking this thing down yeah but the, it's weird like they have that they're they're in full they have but they haven't because they brought in veteran right. guys who jim schwartz likes it's weird like they, they're <laughs> it's just it's weird it's it, weird and getting back one we'll quick, leave it at weird yeah and one quick point i wanted to make is you you raised the issue of what doug and howie are seeing which i think is a really first of all doug and howie it sounds like a freaking like <laughs> cartoon show doesn't it Friends of the Brady's. Like, can we get Brady like bunch. a like a Charles or something? Like Doug and Howie. Hey guys, it's Doug and Howie. <laughs> I don't know. I just think they sound like two twerps. Um, but no offense, I, I think neither one is a twerp. No. In fact, I've been very clear about my my infatuation with Doug Peterson's you hair. You have. Since you love tired. his hair. You love his hair. Um, but my point is, you know, you. you I'm just saying, there's not a lot of adults. Are you gonna let me make my point? There's not a lot of adults named Doug and Howie. There aren't. Now, moving off from Doug and Howie to my point about what Doug and Howie are seeing and with respect to Carson Wentz, the thing that everybody seems to be forgetting, we're, we're getting caught up in the whole idea of Carson Wentz over the last couple of days and, oh, he's going to start and now the franchise is his. And there's a lot of optimism and anticipation amongst fans, even amongst some people who cover the team, this idea of like, oh, well, now that you know Carson is here, He's more mobile than Sam Bradford, and he's stronger than Sam Bradford. He's got a better arm than Sam Bradford. He's more daring than Sam Bradford. And he's already RSVP'd for the Christmas party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Carson Wentz really doesn't have a whole lot of – for a franchise quarterback or a prospective franchise quarterback, Carson Wentz has about the minimal amount of experience (laughs) as a quarterback you could possibly have. I know. I mean, he was a starter in high school for one year. He was a starter at North Dakota State – for less than two years. But it was North Dakota State. Well, yeah, that's part of the point. And the bison. The bison. <laughs> you know, it wasn't Florida. Bison year is like you know, three of human year. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Ohio State. It was North Dakota State. And he's played one preseason game. He threw 24 passes. Oh, well, okay. That changes. It's like an entire preseason's worth of passes. What do you want out of the guy? <laughs> I want a little he's bit. He's a grizzled of- veteran, Mike. Yes. <laughs> In the world of bison quarterbacks, he is. It, I, is, I just, it is fascinating because... I, do we have Malcolm Gladwell in the hopper? No. Is, did no, you line him up for today? No. We, we have Doug. Not. We have Doug Lay. Uh, Doug Lay Lay Miserah. Doug Lay Miserah. <laughs> uh, but Malcolm Gladwell, uh, if if we had thought to line him up as a guest on today's show, would tell us that repetitions. I believe he wrote a book about. He wrote a book about everything. But he, like, I think like, he wrote something about like ten thousand repetitions is what it takes to. to yeah, be great. something like that. Like Carson Wentz is like nine thousand short of that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> He threw 612 passes in his college, entire college career. That's not a lot of work. No, and the interesting, like it's again, I'm like, this has just been a huge mind bleep this entire yeah. experience because I really, really, really like Carson Wentz, but like, they 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 go into it saying, this kid's raw. We know he needs some time, and even though I knew that they had to say that. I actually believed it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I think Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz plan ideally would have been something like Donovan McNabb where like, right. A, he's not playing for a team that needs him to win. You know, like, I think that's a big thing for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can't throw, you, you look at guys who got thrown into a, to the mix and tried to save their coach's job and it doesn't end well te- no. typically, no. you know, um, you know, expectations sh- should be low. Um, and I think that they, they attempted to do that. 
And I thought that was smart by saying Sam Bradford will play. Um, and frankly, Carson Wentz is raw. I said early in training camp, if they they would go 0-16 if this kid was their mm-hmm. end of the season as their starter. I, I don't know if I believe that because the division's really bad and they've got some bad teams on their schedule. Like the Browns are really epically bad, yeah. as Doug Lay Lay Miz will will tell us. Yeah. Later on, um, I mean they're in full on rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're coming as close to tanking as an NFL team has ever tanked. Yes. But like if this defense isn't as good as everybody has been blowing it up to be, which frankly I don't necessarily agree with those people. And I think as soon as one cornerback gets hurt, it could be one of the worst defenses in the league, mm-hmm. um, which I believe at, after Rowe being traded, they're carrying four, one of whom is Jalen Mills, a mm-hmm. seventh-round draft pick. Um, like, they could lose a lot of games. Yeah. I, I, to me, the entire offseason has been, you know, I've used the phrase muddled thinking in print, but it's, it's, in some ways it's been even worse than that. Like, if you go back to the day they held the press conference after they fired Chip, they fire him on a Tuesday night. I think they had the presser the next day. And Jeffrey Lurie said that part of the reason they had fired him was because this was a team that should have been a playoff team. And it wasn't. And ostensibly, it was the coach's fault that it wasn't. They right. weren't coached well enough to do that. So if you enter the offseason with that you know, in place, that, that mindset in place that this should have been a playoff team and we hired the wrong coach to do it, then... Sign, re-signing Sam Bradford and maybe bringing in a different backup quarterback to, to give Doug his guy, Chase Daniel, that up to a point makes some sense. Even after that point, bringing in guys who the defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, likes and has experience right. with makes sense. What doesn't make sense is then deciding midstream to throw that all away and go after someone who you perceive to be a franchise quarterback. And now that they are or would seem to be in complete rebuilding mode, like... The only way we know that, it's, this is going to sound stupid, the only way we know that is because that's what they're doing. Like, mm. they won't even acknowledge it. Right. Like, like Howie, Roseman yeah, like on Pe- Sat- yeah. Howie Roseman on Saturday tap dance around that question. You know, he just wouldn't answer it directly. And even Doug Peterson on Wednesday when he spoke to the media was like, you know, this is we're in this right. to win as many games as we possibly can. There's no lip service being paid at all to the idea of like, hey, you know, we're taking a step backward to take a step forward. And I wonder if in this in this age of sports and media, they'd have been better off just being up front from the beginning. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like they're still trying to kind of pull yeah. the wool over people's eyes when they don't have to. Yeah, and I mean, it's one thing if they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. It's another thing if they're lying to themselves. Yeah. You know? And like, I'm, cu- I'm just curious where everything falls. Because like you said, look, there's no such thing as rebuilding the NFL. But they clearly, at the end of last season seem to think that this was a better team than Chip Kelly coached it to be. And that until they found, while they, while they did not believe Sam Bradford was a, you know, franchise quarterback, you know, wasn't the guy they were going to sign up for, for 10 years, the team around him was good enough to compete in the interim until they identified that guy, right. you know, I, you know that the the plan people they they seem to lay and it made sense, you know, and there was some reason to think that, you right. know, um, you know, if they had, you know, if you added Lar- you know, a, a Laramie Tunzel on the offensive line or a Jack Conklin on the offensive line and put that guy in there mm-hmm. right now instead of Alan Barber, you know, and then you know added that third round pick right. or that fourth round pick, you know, was a running back or something. All of a sudden, you know, you're maybe one draft class away. From, you know, building a pretty right. good thing that, that maybe Sam Bradford can win with. Almost like the way, essentially, the Chiefs plan, yeah, you know, with exactly. Alex Smith. Like, exactly. I still don't think the Chiefs think that Alex Smith is a, a, a decades-long starter, but they are, you know, what are you going to do? You know, right. I, and I thought that their plan was like the Cowboys. Drafted Dak Prescott or Kevin Hogan or mm-hmm. a, you know, Connor, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you said, it, it's almost like that entire thing changed. And now, ever since they traded for Carson once, now it's like, we're, we're acquiring Doyle Green Beckham, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're taking we're, shots on guys. Yeah, we're taking shots. We're, yeah, yeah. we're keeping, you know, it's, we're, we're not keeping Chris Given. you know, like to me, like cutting Chris Givens was probably the thing. You could throw Ruben Randall in that mix, but I, I don't like mm. Ruben Randall, but yeah. I think Chris Givens at least would serve a role on this team right. in terms of running straight downfield and occupying a safety perhaps, mm-hmm. which is frankly a role in this offense that I don't know anybody can fill right now. Um, you know, that's when it was like, wow, these guys really are, prioritizing the future 
you know? Yeah. It's, it, I don't know. I, I don't know either. And I think, I think you're right. I think you put your finger on it. Are they just fooling us or are they either A, fooling themselves or B, not even clear about what they want to be? Like, uh, you know, t- I mean, to me. I can't believe you just said all that and did not like drop an 80s song reference because that sounds like, <laughs> like, it sounds like I'm you ripped there. it from the liner notes. I'm of, getting uh, there, right. you know. Um, uh they throw me off because now I'm thinking it's like of Brian. Like, it sounded like Brian Adams. Brian Adams, or John Parr. Yeah. Um, what was the guy's name? Corey something or other? Corey Hart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah never surrender. Yeah. Like Sunglasses like at that. night. Yeah. yeah. Um, you nope. can never surrender. I used to love Delilah. Oh, like, yeah. Delilah on 101. Yeah. Well, 97.5 now plays virtually nothing but 80 songs. Really? So it's, it's like being back watching early MTV. I thought 97.5 was the sports talk sh- station. That's 97.5. Oh, what'd you say? 95, uh, 95.7, excuse me. Okay. I mean, that's what I meant to say. I apologize. Right. 95.7 is now all 80s songs. You don't got to say. You don't got, you 97.5 don't got is a certain talk show host rehashing his old arguments from the 80s. Um, yes. So. With the help from his callers. Real and fictional, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, so uh, now I've, um, oh, which the, the muddled thinking and, the, and the, the confusion about where they are, to me, and this is totally apart from, from Carson Wentz, it, it's related in, in a sense, is that one of the things I want to keep an eye on, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, is you have the presumption that the defense, the Eagles' defense is going to be the strength of the team. Certainly the defensive line is. And the presumption is that the, the defense as a whole will, if they're going to win six games, relatively, games, will keep them in games, will be the relative strength. Which I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on that either. But let's assume for the sake of argument that it's true. Yeah, it's the one. It's their. Path. If there is a. If you were to identify a path to them being respectable, that would be the path. Mm-hmm. The guy in charge of that defense, Jim Schwartz, is a guy who wants to be a head coach again. And if Carson Wentz is struggling and the offense isn't up to snuff, it's keeping them from winning games that might otherwise be winnable. I'm going to be curious to see how Jim Schwartz reacts on a week-to-week basis because Jim Schwartz in his first press conference as the Eagles defensive coordinator was awfully quick to put himself when asked about franchise quarterbacks because he had Matthew Stafford in Detroit to put himself in Doug Peterson's shoes quickly had no hesitation to do that and he's held his tongue pretty well since then but that to me is a dynamic that is going to be worth keeping an eye on throughout the Mm -hmm. season in that I wonder if there starts to be kind of a break, a fissure, you know. Well, it's also interesting, and again, this was unavoidable the moment that they added Carson Wentz to Sam Bradford. Um, I originally envisioned it playing out under the same roof and in, in making for an awkward situation. Um, you know, when a player, let's say Jordan Matthews gets open mm-hmm. and the ball sails over his head, mm-hmm. or – the team goes, you know, let's say the team gets knocked off by the Bears or the Browns. You know, with each loss, the question in players' minds is, would we be better off with the other guy at quarterback? Right. And, and I, at first I thought that's going to be an awkward situation with both guys here, but it's still almost the situation mm-hmm. where now, you know, all the veterans were kind of saying the right things the other day, but, I, you know, I know there's a couple of them that, that they certainly – they said what they had to say. Yeah. They didn't really say all that much more. Even Zach Ertz, who's, who right. presumably is going to be here for the long term, who's right. going to be able to see Carson Wentz grow and develop if Carson Wentz grows and develops, his, he admitted his initial reaction was, I was really bummed because right. Sam told me right away. He and, he and Bradford were very close, right. are very close. And it's like, well, I guess I got to get on board with Carson Wentz. It's like, well, And I do, I do think that they think he's a talented kid. Uh, I just think that... The more, right now they they've they've sold themselves. And Zach Ertz pretty much said it. Like I've worked too hard to like get down. Like as soon as Carson called me, my juices started flowing again. And blah 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 blah. And that's so I think they're all mentally in that spot right now. Where it's like you know, drink the Kool Aid. We have right. no choice but to believe in everything. Like we really do believe in everything. Like like mind over matter, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the moment like those losses, it was almost. I mean, the same thing they said to themselves with regard to Kelly throughout last season. Right. You know, but. Because they said all the right things down the stretch there, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's only human nature. You know, if the kid quarterback, you know, leads you to a one and four record, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting back thinking, like, why do we blow this whole thing up? Like, why couldn't this kid just right. wait another year? Yeah, it's it's the inherent conflict between being in the front office and trying to 
do what you think is best for the long-term future of your franchise and being in the locker room and looking at it in a completely different way. I heard Ross Tucker, former NFL player, Princeton grad, um, works for NBC Sports, tell a story about he was on the Buffalo Bills in 2004, I think it was, and they went 9-7, and seven, should have been in the playoffs, but lost in their season finale to Pittsburgh. Drew Bledsoe was their starting quarterback. And the team went into the offseason, generally a veteran group, thinking, okay, we didn't make the playoffs, but we're going to come back hungry next year. We've got Drew. He's a proven guy. Let's go get, you know, let's go get this. J.P. Lozman? You know where I'm heading. And the Bills announced that they traded Bledsoe to open up the starting quarterback spot for J.P. Lozman, who had sat on the bench the entire previous year as Bledsoe started. And now the team turned things over to him. And Tucker said he talked to two teammates on the offensive line, and both of them said, like, I'm not even going to bother showing up to minicamp. Because I'm left on, what Tucker left unspoken was this idea of, like, the team already knowing Lozman isn't the answer. And probably having had a year of watching him in practice and being around him to know that he's not the answer. So the, your, your question is a good one. Like, how are these veterans going to react to this once Wentz starts playing? Right. It's easy to say now, well, we'll just get behind the kid. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder to do that when in a close game, Jordan Matthews gets open for a 20-yard touchdown pass and Wentz misses him by five feet. And everybody in the locker room and in the, on the sideline and in the offensive huddle is saying to themselves, Sam Bradford would have put that ball there. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I'm starting to laugh here. Just because it's it's fascinating. Like the kid showed flashes against uh the Colt or against the, the Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers when he played his, yeah. his one preseason game. Y- you saw why people think he can yeah. be great. But you also saw flashes of like just complete you don't see that like Hackenbergian, like you don't see that on an NFL field. Like that one interception he threw yes. where there was literally Nobody in the vicinity yeah. or the fact that like, yeah, he, he, he can he can run and he can get away and he's got he's got decent feel for when guys are closing in on him. But like he all five times or whatever he rolled out, he rolled out to the right. Yep. You know, uh, like these are things like playing quarterback in the NFL is a very hard thing to do, which is why I laugh when I've heard some. I mean, the media like most of the media felt about Sam Bradford the way just in terms of their amateur scouting um, felt the way the fan base did. And they just thought, you know. This guy's overpaid, overvalued. Right. Like, why does everybody love this guy? But like, they kind of they, 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 they. I heard one guy say, um, "Well, they're not, they're not, they're not any worse off with right. with Wentz." And it's like, dude, like playing quarterback is very hard. hard. Peyton Manning threw like thirty interceptions his his, his rookie year. Twenty eight. You know, like Eli Manning stunk for the first four years. Go of his back career. and he was his first year when he. It actually is very comparable to Sam Bradford's first. Well, first four years. I'm yeah, but. but but Eli, when the, when he became the Giants starter in 2004, they didn't win a game. Right. They were a winning team with Kurt Warner, and then they decided after week ten they were six and four. I'll never forget this. And they gave Eli the final six weeks, and they went zero and six in one game against the Ravens. I believe he had it, he had no passer rating at all in the game. He was zero for the entire game. He was getting hit on every play. Ray Lewis is laughing at him. It was as bad as bad gets. <laughs> and that was a guy with... You, you know you've hit rock bottom when Ray Lewis is standing yeah, over you yeah. uh, laughing at you as um, your kidney bleeds into your exactly. liver. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, like in the um, NHL 94 yeah. in Sega, you know. Oh, I spleen. can make a bleed. Yeah. I can make a bleed. <laughs> his, his spleen came out, you know. Um, but uh, that was as bad as bad gets. And Eli came from the, the, the best possible bloodline and preparation, you know, when, when he's knee high to a grasshopper, learning how to play quarterback, and grasshoppers have knees. It's an expression. I know. Um, one of my I'm older than I am expressions. I know. While you're finishing this thought, I'm actually going to Google it. So go okay. ahead. Um, and he got destroyed. Eli got destroyed, and and his preparation for the NFL was infinitely better and more comprehensive than Carson Wentz's is, or has been. Um, and so I don't get that. Um, I almost feel like it's a function of um, younger generations in a way. Um, you know, not to, not to take this so far afield, but in Hollywood now, you see nothing but like remakes. You know, the big time movies are all remakes of, of old movies or comic books. 
because people feel like, well, we can take the old right. and the young people won't be familiar with it and they'll think it's brand new and great. Like a lot of people who cover the NFL now don't know what they don't know. They don't know what's come before them and they forget that. And I don't, again, I don't mean to sound like an old crank, but it's really hard to become a really good quarterback in the NFL and it takes time. And the idea that Wentz is just going to step in there and be better than Sam Bradford, to me, is far-fetched, completely far-fetched. Yeah, like, I mean, look, James Winston played about as well as anybody not named Andrew Luck can play in a rookie year as a quarterback last year. And, like, the, the Bucks went 6-10. and 10 and, yeah. and And he threw 22 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, and they had t- a ton more talent, in my opinion, than the Eagles. And he had five with, of those touchdowns in one game against the Eagles. Yeah. You know, when they stopped playing defense. And, uh, you know, like, it, it's just the great guys struggle, you know? I mean, Matt Ryan... 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 3,400 yards. Yeah. It's, I don't think the Eagles are better off um, at all. No, and, and especially because as I... Yes, grasshoppers do have knees. They have the ability to jump with such force that they can often break a leg while jumping. There you go. Grasshoppers do have knees and they have a springy mechanism between the second and third joints for jumping. They also have white blood, FYI. Okay, good to know. Spin that in your idiom next time. <laughs> so, um, and I wrote about this um, in a column today. It's an open question, and and Peterson talked about it today, Wednesday, that he's just going to let Carson go out there and be Carson. Doesn't want to doesn't want to put shackles on him, anything like that. Okay. Well, number one, I think that's a bad idea because of the inexperience that he has, and because he's a yeah. But you're like, you've got a bondage fetish. I do. Um, number two, if they were to do that, do they have the pieces to do that? Like, if you look at Kansas City's offense, the three years that Doug Peterson was its offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. That was about as unadventurous an offense as you get yeah. in the NFL. It was born. It's, it's Alex Smith, it's Jamal Charles, it's we're going to run the ball, we're going to play action pass. Smith doesn't make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. So they averaged. I, I looked. I did the crunch the numbers. They averaged about 433 rushing attempts per year. Okay, mm-hmm. that's with Jamal Charles. That's with the stable of backs they have behind him. So if you're the Eagles and you've got Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles, Wendell Smallwood, and Kenyon Barner. Tell me where those carries are going to come from just to get to 433, let alone the idea that you should probably hand the ball off more often than 433 times over the course of a year because you want to protect this kid. He's a rookie. You know, you've got an offensive line that's fairly thin with some questions on it. You know, you, you don't know when you're going to lose Lane Johnson. You don't know what Jason Peters is going to look like. Is, you know, are, are people just going to steamroll Allen Barbary all year? You want to be able to run the ball frequently to take some heat off this kid and off the line. Who are you going to give the ball to? Is Ryan Matthews going to get hurt? Is Darren Sproles going to get the ball more than five times a game? You're going to count on Wendell Smallwood, who who runs, is very talented, but his body posture is like that of a flamingo, and he got killed in that Indianapolis preseason game. He, he sustained a concussion two two carries into the game, uh. and Kenyon Barner has all of 34 carries in his entire career. So if your plan is to take it easy on Carson Wentz and protect him, tell me how you do that. So what I gotta, are you laughing right, about? You're, are you laughing at me? No. Okay. <laughs> so I got to tell you. So we, Mike and I, before we recorded this, did an interview with a, a, a nice, nice lady, Katie Kohler, from our LaSalle alumni magazine. Yes. LaSalle University, yes. 04 and, and like 76, I think, right? What's that? I was 04, 2004, you were 04, 1976. I was, ni- I was 1997. All right, 1997. Great year. Um, and she she asked us at the end of it like a bunch of like quick hitter questions. Mm-hmm. And she asked me what makes me laugh. One of my questions was what, what what makes me laugh. Mike had said, what makes you laugh? Uh, only because I've watched it a million times because of my kids. Eddie Murphy and Shrek. Okay. She asked me what, what I laugh at. And I laugh at things that are in my head. And I was just picturing a flamingo running, carrying a football through it. Offensive line, and that's why I was, and Mike was getting nervous because I'm over here laughing my butt off. I'm like, I didn't say anything. Yeah, like, appropriate or like, you know, no. I but I was is my opinion. I was ridiculous? literally thinking about a flamingo carrying a football. Through Who the, am I? Through Do the, I not have a voice? Through the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. So okay. Anyway, speaking of flamingos, uh, Bob Brookover has I, been. I don't a know. Flamingo? He likes them. He likes flamingos. He, he likes, likes big things. Let's and go talk to him. Yeah, he, he's going to join us uh, from the Novacare Complex. Brookie, w- what did you get to see from practice today? How good did Wentz look? Are you ready for him to throw seven touchdown passes Sunday against the Browns? Seven? Only seven? I'm going with ten. Okay. 
I mean, you guys know what it's like. You, you get to see individual girls. Just, you know, his arm looked strong since he got here. I mean, and it still looks strong. He looks, you know, he looks like he's ready to play. We'll see when the bullets start to fly. What do you, uh, what do you think? What do I think? Uh, actually, what I'm working on for the Thursday newspaper is taking a look at rookie coaches and rookie quarterbacks. It doesn't happen very often. But oddly, one of the most successful ones was a very local ties with Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh. Harbaugh had left here to go coach the Ravens his first year. Flacco was an Audubon kid, South Jersey, and a Delaware kid. And they went to the AFC Championship in his first year, which is an amazing story. But if you look at rookie quarterbacks that have had success, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, they're asked to be game managers. That's what Flacco was asked to be. And they better have great defenses. Roethlisberger had a great, great defense. They were number one in the league. The Ravens were number two in the league when Flacco was there and they went to the AFC Championship game. You better have a great defense. Now, a lot of people are high on the Seagulls' defense. Is it great defense? That definitely remains to be seen. You had you were there Saturday uh, for Howie Roseman's press conference, and your column off of that was very good and very sharp in, in coming down and saying, you know, hey, the Eagles might have thrown away a chance at making the playoffs. That you know, you you weren't as there was a lot of ecstasy, let's say, on social media and on talk radio about the Bradford trade. You were not partaking of that ecstasy. Can you kind of put into words what what you thought and why? There's two things, Mike. One is obviously the Minnesota Vikings, who admittedly have a better team on paper than the Eagles, believe that Sam Bradford is good enough to get you know to get them to an NFC Championship game, possibly a Super Bowl. Because if they don't believe that, there's there's no way they're making this deal. So they obviously believe it. Um, now the Eagles. Five months ago, believed that they could have a very good season with Sam Bradford. In fact, were, that was their plan A. And now they no longer think that. People were like, okay, we got a number one pick for Sam Bradford, who was never any good. Well, you know, Sam has not had a great career, but he's also has had a lot of obstacles in the way to not having a great career. I just I wanted to see Sam play. But the other thing is, so I present this to a lot of people. Would you rather have you're excited about this first-round pick, but it's a good chance it's going to be in the, maybe in the 20s, you know, very good chances in, in that range. And you ask the question, and I won't even use Nelson Aguilar or Marcus Smith or Danny Watkins. I'll use Brandon Graham, mm-hmm. who is a guy who people he's, – he's come up and he's turned himself into a pretty good player after being taking a lot of uh, heat early on in his career. Would you trade Sam Bradford for Brandon Graham? I would not. Uh, I don't. I don't think many people would, and that's what you're looking at is a first round pick. It's a crapshoot, but people get very excited to hear the words first round draft pick. Yeah, I, you know, I think and what I liked about the column was I think it got to the heart of kind of the the problem with what the Eagles did all off season, which was this, you know, this um, walking the line sort of approach, which, you know. I, not, not to pat myself on the back, but, you know, I wrote early on, was always kind of a fraudulent approach. Like, you don't sacrifice that much to get a quarterback at the number two overall pick and then insist that somebody else is going to play, you know, for a full season. Uh, you just, teams don't operate that way. And, you know, what I liked about what you wrote was that you kind of held the Eagles to that. Like, you know, <laughs> you've been lying to us the whole time. Like, you know, most of us knew that you were, but... It didn't stop you from doing it. Well, to me, once you sign Sam, and I, I wrote this back a while ago too, once you sign Sam Bradford, this is before they got Carson Wentz, I wrote that. Once you get him, let that fly. There, there's, that's, your, that's your hand. Play that hand. And if the hand doesn't play well, you know, and you, you have an awful season, maybe you get to Sean Watson next year. You know, there's going to there's gonna be other first-round quarterbacks that, that rise up and – you know, give you a chance to, to win. Not all first-round success stories are, A, first-round guys, or, and B, first and second overall picks. Some of them are guys that drift in the draft. And, you know, there's no saying, there's nothing that says you got to draft a guy first or second overall quarterback to have him be successful. But that's, you know, obviously they, 
decided to marry himself to Carson Wentz, and here we go. <laughs> what do you think is going to – what's your – not score-wise prediction, but what, how, do you, how do you envision Sunday unfolding? I, I, I actually not, – not just Sunday, Mark, but this entire season I, I view unfolding uh, as they asking Carson to be more of a game manager than a guy who's going to win you games. And I, I think that's wise. That'll be wise for them to go that direction because, hey, you don't want to get him killed um, by sacks, and you don't want him running around, you know, because he's got that he's got that in him. You know, he, he always wants to make the play and get the extra yard. So you want to limit the number of times that happens, and it'll give you a chance to see just how good Jim Schwartz and this, this defense is. And I think we're going to see that a, a lot of games this year where they, they're going to ask him to, to hand the ball off and – not do too much, you know, maybe throw 20 to 25 times a game. I think that's what we're looking at for this season. Do you think he has more touchdown passes or more interceptions on the season? I would, I, I would, I would guess more interceptions, but it's, you know, it's going to depend on what kind of throw, throw they have. You know, uh, Doug Peterson was at this today, or, you know, you said you said when you, you drafted him, you like the way he goes downfield and he, you know the, his willingness to do that. Are you going to let him do that? And Doug said he would. He said you know he doesn't want to take that aggressiveness away from him. So we'll see. You know, I, certainly I'm sure they'll take some shots. Every team takes some shots. The problem, the other problem there is who's who's he taking a shot to? They don't have a lot of team speed at wide receiver. And then the flip side is. I'm still kind of puzzled by what the Vikings are. Are I like? I did not like Sam Bradford when he got here. I, I grew to like him a little more um, as he went on. I, I think he's a guy who can can you know manage a team and and being. I think he can be Alex Smith. Put it that way. I'm not sure he can do that with one week of prep time. Uh, well, that'll be interesting to see if he starts. I don't know if anything's come out yet whether he's going to start. But but even two uh, weeks. I mean, what you know. Have you seen that you've covered the NFL a long time? Have you ever seen anything like this from the Vikings end? And what what are your expectations for them with Sam Bradford? You know, that, that's going to be fascinating to see because I, I wasn't as told in the Vikings as maybe they are on themselves as being a team ready to, to go make a deep playoff run. You know, they made the playoffs last year and, and were a, a decent team, but not a great team. Are they ready to take that next step? I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about their roster to, to say yes or no either way. I do know this. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have made the rest of the NFL uh, a lot more interesting than it would have been without them. Because we've got Chip Kelly watching given Sunday. We've got Sam Bradford over here. There's always somebody you can watch because of, these, because of what these guys have done in the last 10 months. And let's be honest. I mean, he's made this year – every Sunday this year more interesting for us because you know you, you might you can come at it from a number of different ways strategically from the Eagles perspective but from our perspective and from fans perspective I mean this was going to be a boring team this year in my yeah. mind with Sam Bradford I mean a lame duck quarterback you know a you know a team that just clearly did not have the kind of talent at its premium positions that other teams around the NFL do and other contenders around the NFL do. Frankly, I think the Seahawks are going to kick everybody's butt this year. Uh, I think they look really good and, and the Packers as well. But when you put, just line those rosters up, when you look, look at it, two teams like that, yeah. that the Eagles would have to beat to even get to the NFC championship game, you know, and, and frankly, as, as much as I like Sam Brad, as much as I grew to like respect Sam Bradford, I should say, as, as much as I grew to be mediocre on Sam Bradford, um, you know, it's going to be really fun to see whether Wentz, because this is such a huge. I mean, they've, they've staked their entire future on this kid. I mean, if, if this kid's not good, I, I, I would I would counter argument with this though, Murph. I would say my recollection of Don McNabb's first season in the NFL was it wasn't all that interesting. Right. I mean, obviously they started Peterson for quite a bit of time before they started Don McNabb. But even the games Donovan played, he was so overall. He was running around a lot, not knowing exactly what he was doing, and it, it wasn't fun to watch. I wouldn't, fun was not the word I described. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, even know. In, interesting was the right word. Yeah, but, to, you know, to use he it. Came back the next year, and he had he had advanced a lot. So I mean, if if the price to pay for Carson Wentz being more advanced next year is uh, having to go through this year, well then 
that's that's what they've decided to pay, and it's all, and to me that is what they've decided to do. Yeah, I to do. do. Like, that's, to use a baseball yeah. analogy, Brookie, it's like the you know the Phillies this season. Everybody said, well, at least they'll be interesting because they'll be younger and there'll be all these new guys. And here we are, and they stopped being interesting a long time ago. When you stop it, and it's not real interesting. No. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, I and this is kind of this. This all goes back to the conundrum at the heart of the whole thing, and like, I think you can know that a guy is not the guy in one year. You know, like it didn't take long to watch Christian Ponder and Jake Locker and and you know, EJ Manuel and all these guys. I mean, Blaine Gabbert got well, cut after his first year. I don't. I don't know how interesting it would be to watch the. Carson wants to not be the guy, but it's one heck of a story if he is not. Well, that's what—that's my point. Like, yeah. it's like it's just fascinating to me. Uh, I mean, the quarterback position has changed a lot since Donovan got here. Just—I I don't know if it's because I don't necessarily—I don't know necessarily why, but I mean, it, it was no big—it was no big deal when the Eagles drafted McNabb and then said he wasn't going to start. But now, for whatever reason, guy, I don't know if it's because of the Roethlisberger yeah, thing I mean, of the there, West. There was, there was a. Pretty, pretty early on, there was a cry for the Eagles to sit, sit Peterson and, and play Donovan. And by week two or three, people were pretty much had seen enough of Doug Peterson. But I mean, well, let's all right. So let's let's. I'm going to read down some some rookie quarterback numbers, and you tell me which which one you think ones is going to be more is going to resemble more. So so Luck 4,300 yards, 23 TDs, 18 interceptions. Winston 4,000 yards, 22 TDs, 15 interceptions. Derek Carr, 3,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's some guys that have been. And then Matthew, here we go. Matthew Stafford, 2,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. (laughs) What do you think? If I had to put numbers on, I would say we're looking at like 17 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Right. Somewhere somewhere in there. That's that's about what I would say, you know. (laughs) No rookie quarterback in a long time, and that, that even includes well, that includes Tom Brady. It wasn't his rookie year, but in his first year, taking a chance to play, comes in and dominates. Andrew Luck was probably the closest to that, but he didn't dominate. I mean, he, he but he was the closest to coming in. Peyton Manning didn't dominate his first year. You know, Luck was about as good as you could get, and now and now we're looking at Andrew Luck, and and this is more to do with they have issues on the offensive line. But is he going to achieve the greatness everybody thought he was going to? Um, we were going to see from him. So, yeah, the two guys that remind me most of of uh, Wentz, I think, coming in are, are Tannehill and Bortles, um, just in terms of the, their rawness and their skill set. Both can move a little bit, both strong arms. Bortles. Right. Tannehill, Tannehill was. At a, I think they went six and ten in his first season. And Bortles didn't play. Um, Bortles, Bortles played. Bortles played in Week Five. They turned things over to him in Week Five. Bortles started thirteen. Okay. Bortles started thirteen okay. games, twenty nine hundred yards, eleven touchdowns, seventeen interceptions. Tannehill, uh, thirty three hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, thirteen interceptions. I think that's what we're looking at with regards okay. to Wentz. Bortles end up getting hurt that year too, though. Uh, I don't know. All I know is he started thirteen games. He did. He start thirteen games. Okay. According to Pro Football Reference. Um, okay. Okay. But whatever. Regardless. Uh, it, to me, like that's this Eagles team. They're they're a five and eleven team if that if that's the kind of line he puts up. Four and twelve team maybe. Yeah, I, I, I would go four and twelve. That was my initial thought when when the trade happened. Is that you're looking at a four and twelve team, and the only thing that could make that better to me is the defense. You know, if this defense is really good, and that, to me, I'm almost as fascinated to see that part of it as I am to see the quarterback part of it. Because so much has been made about Jim Schwartz and, and the defense, and I'm not sure. I think it's going to be better. I think it has to be better. Yeah. It was so bad last year, but uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to watch this become the steel curtain or yeah. even the Mike Tomlin Pittsburgh Steelers that are often number one in defense. That is, you were a long ways from that. There are some real issues at cornerback, some real depth issues at linebacker. So. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you, Brookie. It, it's funny. I I was thinking about this today that. You know who's who has been more overrated by Philadelphia fans and media and people who follow the Eagles heading into the season? Is it Carson Wentz and the anticipation that now because he's here, you know they'll be able to expand the playbook in a way they couldn't with Sam Bradford because Carson can move out of the pocket and he'll take shots down the field, or is it Jim Schwartz who is not Billy Davis and like has been elevated to like the second coming of Buddy Ryan in 1985? 
when yeah. he's been a competent but not great defensive coordinator throughout his right. career. You know, it's yeah. I, I think yeah. I feel like people are kind of grasping at greatness when it may or may not be there. Yeah. In in each case for, for Carson Wentz it's good not to be Sam Bradford and for Jim Schwartz it's good not to be Billy Davis. Sometimes it's good not to be the other guy. <laughs> That's what I always tell Mike. Yeah, you know what? I think it's always good to be Bob Brookover. And uh, yeah, yeah. it's always good to listen to Bob Brookover. How about that segue? That was pretty nice, that was, huh? That was nice. That was nice. Brookie, thanks so much, well, man. I'll let you guys argue who, who, who's better to be between you two. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. All See right. You. See you, man. And we're going to head out to Cleveland to talk to Doug LeMaurice in just a second. He's going to give us a breakdown on the Browns. First, though, let's pay the bills and talk about home and Cadillac. Uh, over in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Give them a call at 866-865-6973 or go to holmancadillac.com and check out the all-new full-size CT6 luxury sedan or the all-new XT5 crossover. Check them both out at holmancadillac.com and you can uh, log on there and arrange your personal test drive today. 0% financing on all-new Cadillac ATS, ATS Coupe. CTSs, XRSs, XTSs, and Escalade models. Home and Cadillacs over in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Uh, It's a luxury car buying experience. You can call them at 866-865-6973 or go to www.homeandcadillac.com. Okay, so we're going to bring on um, Doug Maurice, who is the new sports columnist at Cleveland.com. He had been covering Ohio State for them for years. Before that, uh, he and I had become friends. He covered the Phillies and later became a columnist at the um, Wilmington News Journal in Delaware. Uh, good guy, smart guy, uh, and, you know, he's going to talk to us about the Browns, which, you know, in a way might be the only situation um, in the NFL as potentially bad and interesting at the same time as the Eagles. I mean, what do, what do you th- – I mean, What's they're his going – What's th- Le- Doug, uh, Doug what? Le Maurice. Is his middle name? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> His middle name is what? Pepe Le Pew or something like that? <laughs> yeah, um, man. I'm I'm fascinated by this Browns team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they, they've got 13 or 14. They, they had 14 draft picks, courtesy half of them from the Eagles. Um, 13 of them made their, their, their opening day roster. Yep. Like, half of their team is in their rookie year. Mm-hmm. They are tank. They are tanking. Yeah. And they're, they're the first NFL team, really, in history, I think, Nobody to admit this. it. Yeah. yeah. No, nobody does this. Deuce. Deuce this. <laughs> <laughs> We're totally off the rails. Oh my oh, goodness. God. Uh, but yeah. So well, then let's just go to Doug. Yeah. Because uh, he's going to fill us in on the Browns and what we can expect from them. So joining us now uh, is uh, columnist for Cleveland.com, kind of the Philly.com of the Midwest, um, former Phillies beat writer at the Wilmington News Journal in Delaware. Uh, good friend of mine, Doug Lay Maurice. Dougie, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, guys. So what is the kind of the mood, so to speak, in Cleveland with respect to Sunday's game and this idea of Carson Wentz starting and the Browns passed on him and Hugh Jackson didn't want him and Paul DePodesta says there weren't, you know, 20 good players. Uh, he, was, he wasn't one of 20 players that we would have considered drafting at number two. You know, what's kind of the tenor of things there? Uh, I would say it is a situation where People in Cleveland do not want Carson Wentz to throw five touchdown passes on Sunday. Um, you know, it, it, they have to explain it. They don't have a long-term quarterback answer here, unless you think RG3's body is magically healed and going to play for the next decade, which I don't. So they have to explain why this possible answer in Philly is not their answer. So I think that's where they are. Um, they're tearing it down here, man. Like, they're burning it to the ground. So they have to explain why this quarterback was not the guy they wanted to rebuild it around. So, you know, I think that's fine. You know, we'll find out who was right. Um, but it is a great twist that this team, this franchise, that has been so desperate to find a, lo- a, a long-term answer at quarterback is starting off the season against the guy they decided – was not their answer. So one of the big knocks on Howie Roseman here in Philly for a long time has been he's not a quote-unquote football guy. 
Paul D. Podesta might be the ultimate non-football guy in the NFL right now, even though he played at Harvard, played football at Harvard. Um, wh- what's been the, the reaction in Cleveland to his presence, to his plan, um, and to, to what he said the other day, basically the strategy of, hey, we're just going to try to collect draft picks and um, you know, hope that they work out because we're gonna, you know, we've got more arrows in our quiver, so to speak. Yeah. Tashi Brown is really the guy who's out front on this, um, was the guy who was on the business side for the Browns before he sort of took over this GM role. And Deepa Desta has not been, uh, you know, as super visible on a lot of this stuff. He's definitely more behind the scenes. He's the guy who had the, the quote about Wentz not being in the top 20. But, you know, the fans here are so used to it. New regime, start over. New regime, blame the past, start over. So that aspect of this is not new. But maybe people maybe, maybe believe that they are smarter. And so they have a plan. They are articulating that plan a little bit. I think the fans do have a trust in Hugh Jackson, the first-year coach, that he's the football guy. Okay, if they're the numbers guy and they're putting the roster together, then they, they get the football stuff from Hugh. I think people think maybe that can work. Um, there were a lot of Moneyball jokes at the beginning, but – Nothing has nothing has ever worked here, so why not try something a little different? So I think they're open to it. They're open to the draft pick accumulation, but get back to me in two years, and we'll see if the stadium's on fire. Doug, I'm fascinated by what's going on in Cleveland just from a – I'm kind of a roster geek, and I covered baseball for seven years, so I know Paul DePodesta very well. Um, According to my count here, and I, I may have written a few names down more than once, but there are 13 draft picks on the opening day roster. Is that correct? Yeah, I think they drafted 14 and all but one made it. Yep. So there's, uh, I'm just looking at the composition here because it's a fascinating roster. There's 13 draft picks, five waiver claims, an undrafted free agent, and then they added Jamar, Tra- Jamar Taylor uh, via trade, and then uh, Stephen Payet, Demario Davis, and Patrick Murray via free agency are these guys good or are they just collecting young players i think they're collecting shots at lightning in a bottle you know um if and when i mean how can you how can you say that the browns are ever going to be good but if and when they're ever going to be good i don't think a lot of these guys are going to be on the team you know the first round picks Corey coleman the first round pick he'll be on the team but a lot of these other guys i mean you just have to have bodies out there and they lost so much. They lost four starters in free agency right off the bat. They just traded two guys who they picked in the top ten in the last couple of years, and Justin Gilbert and Barkevius Mingo, guys who did nothing here, and they got nothing back for them. They were top ten picks, so they need bodies. They took a shot on Terrell Pryor, for instance, who was a college quarterback at Ohio State, was out of the league for a little bit, switched to receiver. They had him in early last year. They actually cut him. He wasn't around. They brought him back. He's going to start at receiver for them on Sunday. So they are looking for that. They are looking for a diamond in the rough here or there. If you grab 20, maybe you'll find two. But I think a lot of these guys are not any kind of long-term answers. They're just fodder now because they have to fill out a roster. So compare this team to where it was at this time last year, in, just in terms of an, an ability to beat the Eagles in week one. Less. Less. How much less? Significantly, possibly less. Two caveats. Is RG3 going to go crazy and and look like, you know, the RG3 who was the number two pick in the draft? You know, what percent chance is that? 5%? Maybe he'll do it one game or something this year. And then I do think they have more skill at wideout. They were so deficient there, Um, especially when Josh Gordon was out. You know, I mean, they they just didn't have anybody. So Corey Coleman... The guy they picked in the first round is fast. Pryor looks maybe like he has some skill, so they might be able to hit you with some of that. But a lot of the other stuff, the, the foundation, they lost a lot of foundational guys. They were foundational guys off a bad team, but they were the second worst team in the league last year, and I think they're worse now. So, so for uh, perspective's sake, Corey Coleman was drafted with the 15th pick in the the first round out of Baylor. He's a speed guy, correct? Yeah, little speed guy. And I believe that was the Eagles' original pick after all of the 
finagling went through? I thought they had the 13th the overall pick. Uh, who was number 15? It was the Rams, right? Miami? Miami? I can't even <laughs> I forget. Who knows? Anyway, um, what is the identity of this team going to be, again, right now in the present? How much are they going to run the ball? They have Isaiah Kroll and Duke Johnson back there. Uh, picked up George Atkinson from the Raiders. Uh, they still have Joe Thomas at left tackle. Uh, I mean, the interior of the line looks all right. What, what kind of team is this going to be? What kind of game is this going to be on Sunday? I mean, I think people, you know, think, given his past history, that it's like Hugh Jackson sort of has a reputation as like a quarterback whisperer a little bit, but he also wants to run the ball. So they don't have a workhorse number one back. They have that one-two combo you mentioned. Um, they have Joe Thomas, but they lost their second and third best offensive lineman last year to free agency. Cam Irving, who was kind of a bust last year, I think, on the offensive line as a first-round pick, is, is taking over that center role for Alex Max, who's in Atlanta now. So, you know, I think they want to run it to take some pressure off of RG3. Um, I don't know if they can run it, but I think run the ball, take some shots down the field to Terrell Pryor, get the ball in Corey Coleman's hands in easy ways and try to let him show that speed. He's missed camp sometime in camp with some injuries. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Their third preseason game was a stinker, and so not a lot of people are, are very optimistic off of that. But I do think they want to try to run it, but try and do are not the same thing. Last one from me, Doug. Um, how's RG3 been in the locker room? Has he looked in practice? Has he looked in these games? What's the experience been so far? Yeah, I haven't been around it really that much, but I do know that, that he was mainly team captain. Like, I think the guys like him. Um, you know, they just they need someone to, to settle that quarterback position a little bit. I know we all know sort of the issues that RG3 brought from Washington, but, you know, he kind of hit rock bottom, man, from the number two pick to sort of being pulled off the scrap heap by the Browns. So, you know, from what our beat writers are writing and talking about, it seems like, you know, guys like him. And the main thing for RG3 and his corner is that he's not John Manziel. <laughs> so, you know, for that locker room, anybody that is not Johnny and bring in the Johnny drama, they're going to like. So he's got that going for him. And, and Joe Hayden had a rough year last year. Concussions, ankle, finger, I believe. Had been an elite shutdown corner prior to that. Is there any reason to think he won't be back at that level now that he's presumably healthy? I mean, you know, just the, the time ticking by, you know, how much do you know that a guy lost? But it seems like, it seems like he feels good. It seems like um, he's re-energized a little bit. Um, you know, Joe Thomas offensively and Joe Hayden defensively are sort of the two guys who came in as high draft picks, have a lot of obvious skill, have been around, haven't failed, have been through all the coaches. So Joe Hayden has vocally sort of embraced this new regime. So he's an important player for them right now. Um, sort of whether or not he's still quite who he was, I guess he's an important guy on that side of the defense to get guys to buy in, but uh, they certainly could also use him to be um, that old Joe Hayden. You know, that was their plan when they drafted Justin Gilbert, who turned out to be such a bust. They thought if they could get Hayden on one side and Gilbert on the other, you have two corners that you drafted in the top ten. That's a great way to start a defense, and it just never worked out. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about the Wentz thing. Okay. How big of a topic of conversation has it been out there amongst the fan base? And, and are the players cognizant of it at all? And well, this thing happened, um, the Deep Podesta quote, I think was like from the end of July, but sort of got like recycled and popped back up. Funny how that works. <laughs> the, Brad, the Bradford trade was made and it was like, okay, now it's happening. And so that buzz has restarted again. So uh, I don't, I don't really know how the players um, have reacted to it, but it definitely has been, um, it definitely has been a fan thing for sure of like, you know, we, there was a while there were, I mean, the fans were getting prepped once the Rams made the trade and everybody sort of figured out they were going to take Jared Goff. People in Cleveland were prepared for the Carson Wentz era. Like that was a thing that was, there's two clear quarterbacks. The Browns have no quarterback. They have the number two pick in the draft. This is going to happen. 
So when it didn't, and then it didn't. So so when it, when it didn't happen, were fans? I mean, have fans gotten to the point where they just assume that any quarterback the Browns draft is going to be a bust? Therefore, they were in favor of trading out of that spot, or or was it? Um, what was the reaction at that point? Right at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of split. There are like sort of the doomsday people who think, well, everybody we get sucks, so what does it matter? You know, like we'll even turn those are my kind you know, of people. Turn, yeah. The Browns <laughs> turned Tim Couch into a terrible quarterback. Right. So who cares? Um, but. You did have that magical Derek Anderson season. Yeah, one year, man. That's right. One one year. I can't wait to watch whatever. a 30 for 30 about that. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't go ahead and watch the Derek Anderson 30 for 30. I'll watch something else. Um, <laughs> the, they need a quarterback. They must solve this long-term, right? I mean, how could, it's exactly what the Eagles are doing. You have to have a long-term solution. They've never had it since they came back. So people were prepped for that. And so when the trade was made, it was like, okay, well, what's your plan? What is the plan? So I think for some Browns fans, they, they almost want Carson Wentz to fail just because to watch him succeed and think, oh, my God, we could have had him, and we bailed on that, and now we still have no answer is going to be really hard to stomach, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's the fascinating uh, thing about, and I'm writing yeah. about it tomorrow, and Huey Jackson's going to be uh, on, on a conference call, and I'm sure he will just fill it up for us. Um, later on today, but it's just interesting to me because the Eagles, the Eagles are starting a kid who's played in one preseason game and who two NFL teams passed on, decided not to draft. Not, not to mention the fact that he played less than two full years at what is basically one double A and wasn't a starter in high school until his senior year. I mean, he was 5'8", 125 pounds as a freshman in high school. It wasn't like this kid was, has been groomed for this for the last 10 years. It's better than being... Five eight, one hundred seventy pounds at forty years old, Mike Sealski. Thanks, Murph. Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna go stick something sharp in my eye now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget where I was going with that. Oh, so the well, Rams. I mean, but- so the Ram- the Rams and the Browns. Neither yeah. one ha- have shown themselves to be the quarterback whispers. Uh, you know, Bradford flamed out there. Foles flamed out. Pretty much everyone flamed out. It's kind of a tale of two franchises yeah. in that they're the same. Um, and the Eagles have just kind of positioned themselves not only by, you know, drafting once and, and saying we do think he is an elite quarterback and the number one quarterback in the draft, but completely selling out their future in order to uh, stake their claim to that. First by, you know, trading these draft picks to the Browns, you know, second by trading essentially Brad. jettisoning everybody else yeah. <laughs> from the roster right. that joined it under Chip Kelly. Uh, I mean, they're really they, they seem very adamant that this kid and very, very strong in their belief that this kid you know, is something special. And it's just going to be fascinating to me. Either, you know, someone's right and someone's wrong in this instance, and there's really no two ways about it. Well, I love that idea, though, because that's the one. The Browns have never done that. Since they took Tim Couch with the overall number one pick the first year that they were back, they've never taken a quarterback in the top 20 picks since then. They've never gone after their guy. They've mucked around with Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel and Colt McCoy and, and all these guys late in the first round, third round, but they never identified a guy and went after it. And I like selling out for a quarterback. It's the most important position in sports. Identify your guy, go get him, make it clear he's your guy, and see what happens. And they have never done that. They failed at finding a quarterback, but they've never really tried. So that was why, for me, trading that pick is risky. People here are already looking at, should they take Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame or Deshaun Watson from Clemson next year? Or some people want them to tank again in 2017 so they can get Josh Rosen from UCLA in the draft two years from now. Well, if the, if like, the Eagles are bad, find it. if the Eagles are bad enough, the Browns could take both Kaiser and Watson with the first two picks. I was just sitting here this morning contemplating how could I write that? Why they should take <laughs> Kaiser and Watson and let them fight it out? Read, you guys would read that, right? Absolutely. You like you like yeah. the line in, in Godzilla? Let them fight. Yeah, yeah. And, and then four years from now, they can sign Carson Wentz off the scrap heap and exactly tank again. No, it's it's interesting because yeah. first of all, I don't like not that anybody cares, but I'm not a Josh Rosen fan. Okay. At all. Um, I don't know about I don't I haven't watched enough of the other two Deshaun, the, Ka- the Deshauns. Uh, Kaiser looked. Pretty darn good against Texas the other night. Oh, the some Notre of, Dame, actually, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, I some well. of the throws he made were terrific. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because uh, I do. I actually agree with 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 uh, you know Brown and Deep Podesta's sentiment, and, and I think it was the risk the Eagles took. And it'll be interesting to see how they let. They, they clearly wanted a quarterback, and they wa- they wanted a guy to be the guy. Like they talk about the halo effect in com theory. 
right? right? Is that the common theory? But yeah. like you want a girl to be the one. So like you, you make her into what you want her to be rather than what she is. And then it falls apart. And I think that like, uh, not that I'm not speaking from, uh, not at all. No. You wouldn't be speaking for yourself at all. In that uh, <laughs> but like, you know, when you hear Doug Peterson talk about Carson Wentz, you know, he, he, he always talks about these abstract things like a guy falling in love with someone, yeah. you know, he's a winner. Just look into his eyes over dinner. He was at the, he yeah. was at the facility this morning at five forty-five AM. Yeah. It's ready like, well, to go. Yeah. Well, that's great. But I mean, can the guy, you know, throw, think on his feet and throw. Right. And, and you know, I, I, I love Carson Wentz's skill set, but I also think he's a huge risk and it's just going to, someone's going to look really right and someone's going to look really wrong. And I, I don't know. I just think it's very, very interesting. I mean, the one thing I do think, and it's been a problem for the Browns is when you take a guy that high and especially when you trade for him, and then taking that high and give up so much, you you have to let him have a shot, not just for a year, but for a couple of years. Right. You have yeah. to give him a shot, right? So on one hand, that gives him more confidence. Guys aren't looking over their shoulder. You're the guy. If you take a guy at number 23 in the first round, it's like, well, maybe he's a guy, maybe not, I don't know. So you give him confidence, and then you also allow the rest of your team to build. You're not The Eagles aren't going to take another quarterback high in the draft. They can take – guys at other positions and build around them. They've got, the Browns keep taking guys late in the first round, early in the third, and then that's four starters they could have had that they've wasted on maybe picks at quarterback rather than just going for it and saying, we're going to go for one guy, give him a good long run. We're either right or we're wrong, but at least we're going to try. So I, I agree with you. Sometimes you want to do that so bad, you just force it on whoever's available, and that was Carson Wentz. And maybe it's not going to work, but I like the idea of trying it. Doug, what's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, I, you know what? You know, this doesn't have I'm to be a concrete thing. Like, just tell me how you think the game. Yeah. Like, like, how do you think I, the game? Don't, don't give me a score. I don't think the Browns are going to win. I don't think the Browns are going to win. I mean, I think it's a bold. It's a bold statement. Don't try to put Carson Wentz in too many tough situations. I don't know that the Browns have a lot going on defense that's going to make it difficult for him. They have a. The Browns are starting a lot of young guys on the defensive side of the ball. So I can see the Eagles playing conservative, um, winning a somewhat low-scoring game, 17-10 to 10 or something like that. Doug, thanks so much, man. We right, appreciate it. You going to be here Sunday? I will not be, but I will be uh, thinking of you guys as you watch that thing. You'll be missed. See you, man. Thanks. I'll see you.